Building a portfolio with Fidelity Basket Portfolios is kind of like making a sandwich. It's as simple as picking your stocks and ETFs, sort of like your meats and other topics, and managing it as one big, juicy investment. Mmm, now that's pretty good. Learn more at fidelity.com slash baskets. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC. Member NYSC SIPC. If your go-to card is a debit card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cash back on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And there are no fees, period. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. I just I I really think between this and the cold opens like the bachelor is just gunning for that for that Emmy real hard. They're never going to get an (laughs) Emmy. Like they can they can try. They should have one by now, in my opinion. Like, obviously, I make a whole podcast about this show. I think it's the best thing TV (laughs) has to offer. Welcome to Here to Make Friends, a HuffPost podcast about the Bachelor franchise, where we lovingly snark on The Bachelor and Bachelor-adjacent shows. Whether you love The Bachelor or love to hate it, we're here to break down every single delicious moment with you. I'm Emma Gray. And I'm Claire Fallon. So this week, honestly, I have a lot of questions about, like, what we're all doing here in Bachelor Nation. Like, is this a sorority? Right. I mean, are we here to make friends? Yeah. Like, is it a sorority? You know, like, I don't get it. Oh, a sorority sorority. I mean, we need more clarity on this, Claire. Like, maybe next week, Victoria can shed a little bit of light on whether this is actually, in fact, a sorority. Like, the one in which women gather and befriend each other because it's a sorority. Right. Yeah, I need a little bit more info on that. But until next week, we're just going to have to muddle through with the information that we have right now. So to help us sort through the second episode of Matt's season, we're joined by a very special guest, HuffPost Senior Culture Editor and our wonderful boss, Aaron Evans. Aaron, thanks for joining us. Thanks, y'all, for having me. I gladly accept this rose today. I mean, it's just such a pleasure to have you on here. We we end up Slack chatting each other throughout every episode. So this was just bound to happen. Um, we're very grateful for your presence. And before we kind of get into the fun TV recap of this all, we just obviously want to address the the pretty tough week plus that um, most of us have likely had given the recent attempted insurrection at the Capitol, which is, again, like not a phrase I thought I would be saying, but here we are. And Aaron, you wrote a really, really fantastic piece about the horrors that we saw last Wednesday. Uh, The title is For Black Americans, the White Terror in D.C. Looks Familiar. Could you tell us a little bit about what your piece was about and a little bit of the history that you kind of dig into? Sure. I mean, I think part of 
you know, as an editor, I often hide behind other people's words and make them beautiful. But um, something about last week and the language that so many politicos and pundits were using around, you know, this, you know, doesn't represent who we are as America or this isn't America uh, really enraged me knowing the history of this country and, and the response of really white terror when it comes to, to change and racial progress um, in this nation. And um, I had recently read about uh, the Wilmington race riot in 1898, where essentially uh, Southern Democrats were unhappy with um, post-Reconstruction efforts um, to, uh, you know, move towards racial progress. Uh, formerly enslaved people were gaining political power and there had been really developments of these biracial governments and Black-owned businesses were popping up in uh, cities across the South. Um, and, you know, white racists didn't like that and decided to literally successfully um, uh, enact the first uh, first and only successful coup d'etat in, in America. Um, they booted this government and white supremacists took over in Wilmington, North Carolina. Uh, and, you know, that was just one very early um, example of the way white terror is really embedded in our American democracy. And um, obviously there are countless other examples of history showing us exactly um, what it meant to build this country and, and how white supremacist is uh, often a reaction to uh, these moments of kind of racial progress. Um, obviously there was the Tulsa race massacre, which happened literally a hundred years ago this year, which I didn't go too deep into this piece um, about, um, but there's so many instances of this happening. And I, I think a lot of times it's easy to whitewash and put your rose color glasses on about how much progress we have made in this country. And um, I thought this piece, I thought there needed to be a little quick history lesson on how we aren't so far removed from uh, white supremacy being the kind of uh, go-to response to uh, these kind of moments of change in the country. Absolutely. And I think especially, you know, as white people, um, we have a responsibility to acknowledge that this is exactly who we are to an extent. It's not the complete picture of this country, but it is a significant part of the picture. Um, and we are just really grateful that you wrote this piece and everyone should go on HuffPost and read it. We'll link it in the show notes. It's a really, you know, essential history lesson uh, for people who don't know this history and just like a great reminder for, for those of you that are aware of this history. Yeah. Um, thanks, Aaron, so much for sharing that. And for everyone listening, you know, we're in this really scary moment. It feels unprecedented in a lot of ways. In other ways, as, as Aaron, as you say, it's quite precedented, um, not in a reassuring way. Um, but we hope this episode brings you a little moment of levity and um, 
take care of yourselves, take care of the people around you, especially in the days leading up to the inauguration. It's a, it's a tough time um, and we're going to have to get through it together. Um, so <laughs> we're going to make a pivot now to The Bachelor. Um, second episode of Matt James's season. And let's all just get ourselves in the headspace to think about Matt's journey to find love. Um, the Bachelor is achieving this this season by doing these sort of cold opens, it seems like, with clips pulled from dramatic moments in the show. So we actually open with Sarah appearing to faint at the rose ceremony, um, which actually happens at the end of this episode. So cut back to the week's beginning. Matt's going for a jog. He's riding his Peloton. He's taking a shower. He's ready for his first dates. I mean, the amount of exercise this man does is just truly impressive. Also that like nice, not so subtle product placement of the Peloton. Like they are just leaning in. They're like, work out at home, y'all. Matt James will be your fearless leader. I mean... I just I, I really think between this and the cold opens like The Bachelor is just gunning for that for that Emmy real hard. They're never going to get an <laughs> Emmy. Like they can they can try. They should have one by now, in my opinion. Like, obviously, I make a whole podcast about this show. I think it's the best thing TV <laughs> has to offer. But uh, we move into uh, the women receiving their first date card. So. They're all kind of hanging out in the common area and talking about whether they're in a sorority. You know, Katie wasn't in a sorority. She didn't have roommates. So she doesn't like to be hanging out with this many women at once, quite frankly. Um, If she did, she would be in a sorority. Uh, Victoria is a queen and Matt is her king. That also is unlike a sorority. (laughs) In the sense that it's more about like one woman being with a man rather than a bunch of women. Um, so this emerges as a theme. How did you guys feel about the the kind of uh, dumping on sororities that really happened throughout this episode? <laughs> I, I mean, this is my first season I've ever watched of The Bachelor. Um, partially because it's a Black Bachelor, but also because I used to work with Matt James um, at a media company years ago, which we can talk about later. (laughs) Oh, yes. I think we I think we uh, mentioned this briefly offhanded uh, last last week. So we we definitely need that. That tea from from piping hot tea from you, Aaron. (laughs) Oh, the tea is so lukewarm. It's not even even funny. Um, But I was shocked at how much the sorority kind of trope was mentioned and obviously this podcast is called here to make friends. And I was like, Oh, they really are leaning into this whole narrative and it keeps coming up and I'm shocked and maybe not appalled, but very, um, lightly concerned exactly <laughs> about how often this is, is coming up and it, was very I mean I have a lot to say about so-called Queen Victoria um but yeah I wow Victoria has a lot to say (laughs) as well so she's it's a very Victoria heavy 
episode. And it's true. Like the sorority thing, you know, the not here to make friends trope was bigger. I think when Emma and I named this podcast, I have not seen such a density of not here to make friends commentary in a long time. Yeah, this felt like a throwback almost to that sort of like there were a lot of women discussing how it's getting catty in here and the claws are going to come out and I don't want to be in a sorority. Like these are things that were said in season one and that have become sort of embedded implied tropes of the show. But I think in recent years, we've seen a lot more stress on like, we are here to make friends. We're buds. And last season um, on The Bachelorette, there was like such unity among most of the men with a few exceptions that this was like, oh, right. Oh, right. We're back. Okay, we're back to this. (laughs) Um, Although really, they all seem to get along outside of Victoria. Yeah, um, she's she's kind of the elephant in the room and in that sense. Um, And so Chris arrives to introduce the week's structure to them. And this is an unusual decision. There are like 23 women left or more even, like 25 women. There are a lot of women left. It's too many. I neglected to count them because... That's why I'm they're tired. in a sorority, Claire. <laughs> I, think, I think there are actually volume. 25 women left. <laughs> and there's only going to be one group date this week. There's going to be a group date and two one-on-ones, which is really bizarre for this early in the season because they want to get as many women on dates as possible. And... Uh, Two group dates accomplishes that more efficiently. Um, So not everyone's going to be getting a date. And it turns out that five women don't get dates this week, which is rough. Um, The first date card, uh, Chelsea. I just want to call out that Chelsea is wearing like an enormous white sort of teddy bear jacket that looks like a cloud. And it distracted me. I wanted to be in it. It's just so clear that Chelsea is a New York City model because (laughs) she has impeccable fashion yeah she is a fashion icon of our reality tv oh yeah like could she just link her clothes every week i honestly i haven't checked her instagram she probably is that's a thing influencers do i'll I'll look it up so chelsea reads the day card brie love is an adventure um so brie is like expecting something fun and crazy which isn't her usual thing so she's like i've got to prepare and do something fun and crazy she ties her cardigan over one shoulder and under the other arm, which is truly the funnest and craziest thing I've ever seen. There um, are a lot of like influencer styling things <laughs> going on. Like I noticed that I noticed the uh, like multiple women did the like I drape my leather jacket over my shoulders, but my arms just just sort of sit there, not in the sleeves. I was like, these women have grown up on Instagram. Just, it's very apparent. Have Have you guys ever been able to pull off just a jacket draped over the shoulders? Because for me, the effect is not that I am just a beautiful clothes horse. No, it never works because you end up always having to lift your arms and then your jacket is like hanging off of you or on the ground and it's just not very practical. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Influencers never have to lift their arms. And that's what we don't take into account. Yeah, it was like some of us move about the world and like (laughs) use our appendages. I I don't I don't know. It's just a thing I have to do sometimes. Yep. So the date is riding on like monster wheeled ATVs, um, which fun. (laughs) I just want to say 
up front. People do die doing this. So I was a little stressed when Matt like immediately flips Brie and himself off the ATV while doing don't. Oh no, that was legitimately, that part didn't look fun. I was like, this (laughs) seems very dangerous. Yeah, it was very stressful. And he was such a guy in that moment. I was like, oh, we're going to just do everything and flip over the ATV. Like what? Like, um, (laughs) sir, can we just take it a little easy? I just met you. It's our first day. Don't kill me. Yeah, it's a little early to be like, risking my life in an ATV accident. I did Um, like that he looked directly at the camera and was like, sorry, Bree's mom. Yes. (laughs) Like, I feel like we got a little bit more playful Matt on this date. Like, it felt a little bit more natural, not like a person who's trying to process the uh, structure of the show. And and I started to enjoy him, enjoy him more, uh, despite the fact that he endangered the life of his date, which was not a good look. At Aaron, least you recognize that. <laughs> was the personality that Matt showed on this date familiar to you from your time working together at Mike.com? Um, absolutely not. Um, <laughs> the Matt that I know is the Matt from the first episode, the very nervous energy, trying to understand, um, kind of kind of having, he wants like a game plan. He needs to kind of know every little detail about Something, And I say this as a person who literally worked across the office from him, probably had three or four conversations with him. Nice guy, but just nervous. <laughs> I just remember his energy being very nervous. Um, I mean, Mike had a really great track record of hiring extremely attractive people to work there. And I, I mean, I will fully admit I had several crushes on co-workers and as far as Matt goes though it was like beautiful gowns but the energy was just I just got nervous when I was around him (laughs) unclear if that was because he was beautiful or because he just was a nervous person maybe both weren't an energetic match it's true Aaron you worked at Mike my husband worked at Mike so a lot of really beautiful people um it's it's true highly endorsed by me and Matt James (laughs) of course whatever um and uh so while they're on this date the women are back at the hotel um trying to sort of maintain their composure. You know, they're jealous. There are a lot of women. They know they're not all going to get dates. They all wish they were on the date, but they're trying to like, you know, be, be good sports. Be good sports. Jasenia says something like, oh, Brie and Matt seem to have a good connection and we should just like her, like focus on our time with Matt. And Victoria's like, hold on. What? Listen, I didn't talk to Brie. So like, I don't have this little like friendship you guys have or whatever. I want to be on that date. And the other women start to say, yeah, we're jealous too. And Victoria says, no, I'm not jealous. I just, I want what she has. And I have to say, Victoria's correct. They're all envious. And I think that that is the distinction she was definitely trying to draw. Absolutely. I think she's just a wordsmith. um, (laughs) And she wanted to be precise in her language. We have to appreciate that. It's probably the last potential thing we can stretch our minds to appreciate about Victoria this week. So 
Yeah. I'm going to give her because that Because the one. next thing she says is, I'm literally so sick of you guys. I want to hang out with Matt. I'm like, girl, Which you've been there two days. Yeah. <laughs> you, you don't get to be sick of them yet. Um, so Anna asks Brie, uh, or asks Victoria, rather, if she's going to go into, she, you know, she's like, you're going to go into a tailspin if you think that every time. Don't you think you're going to, like, spin out? And Victoria is livid. She's like, I'm not tailspinning. I'm just the only one being real. You're all fake as shit. Um, what's going on here? Like, this this was so abrupt that my first thought was just, like, she's full-on acting. Like, she was cast by production to, like, take on a character and be the villain. Are there people who who act like this in real life? Yes. <laughs> am I, am I um. sheltered? <laughs> This has being an introvert sheltered me from people who act like this. I mean, I, you know, I slacked this to you guys last night and uh, Victoria is quintessential Karen energy. um, 100%. I, I, I do feel like production was like, yeah, we have to have her because she's going to stir up trauma but she also and I I really feel like she fits that Karen narrative you know obviously she's trying to speak to a manager she needs to get this situation handled move things along um but she also kind of reminds me of um the whole Bennett and Noah situation from The Bachelorette like I just feel like let's end the charade kick Karen out, uh, Victoria, excuse me. <laughs> I mean, it, honest mistake, easy mistake to make. Look, I just want to say that one of my friends has a friend who went to college with Victoria, and she told me that apparently, according, you know, this is a couple steps removed, but a quote, how she is on TV is apparently 100% her personality. So this might just be her. She might. I, I think the, the more this went on, the more I got this feeling that like she there's there's a bit of delusion going on. There's like a bit of disconnect from the reality of the situation. Um, and I agree with the the big, big Karen energy going on. I'm surprised yeah. she didn't like request to speak to Chris Harrison in order <laughs> to get the dates switched. Uh, or just hey, register her week. dissatisfaction. <laughs> yeah, when we do see her even, like, it seems like she's going a little bit harder at, like, Jasenia and later Mary Lynn um, than some of the other white women who are looking at her askance. Um, there definitely is, like, I feel like you often get women on the show who are attractive and who are used to kind of being able to... Um, have things how they want them in relationships, you know, in the sense that, like, they're not usually competing with a bunch of women for a guy. And they'll often say that, you know, I'm not used to competing for attention. Victoria is like, I'm not used to competing for attention and I won't have it. Like, yeah, <laughs> she wants to speak to the manager about it. It's very, it's a very weird vibe. Um, so uh, on the date, um, things are going well, despite Matt accidentally almost killing Brie. Um, and in fact, that kind of takes over 
what we see of the date because at first he's like having fun. They like fall in a heap with each other in the mud. They're laughing. He's like, this brought us closer together. And then he's like, if there's a single bruise on Bree's precious body, her mother will hunt me down <laughs> and murder me. So he's, uh, he keeps apologizing. He's like, there's no justification for it. Um, but Bree, Bree's okay. She's like, I, I survived. I'm fine. I can at least get a kiss out of it. And so they're in a, a wood-fired hot tub and they share their first kiss. I mean, but first, but we, first. we must oh know. I forget. We must note that Matt is tasked with chopping some wood to power this hot tub. And he's like, you know what you need when you chop wood? No shirt. So he just stops, strips. The camera full on pans over his numerous abs and they pair it with this like full on 70s porn music. I was like, (laughs) what is happening? Like it, we've seen this before. I do want to note that this is actually very similar to the way that they treated Sean Lowe during his season. Shower scenes, a lot of panning over with abs, a lot of very uncomfortable music cues. But this also was just a very like, buff Christian. Well, yeah. And a very buff uh, born again Christian. Um, and it was it was a lot. But Matt is beautiful. And we also got our first of what I suspect will be many hot tubs. This is, you know, a cold weather season. They got to get in the hot tub as much as possible. And Nema Colin seems to provide a beautiful woodsy setting for the this plethora of hot tubs. Yeah. Um, I am here for all <laughs> hot tub moments. I, after screaming at the TV around Victoria, I, I um, definitely am reminded why I am tuning in is abs, you know. Mostly abs. abs. Right, mostly abs. I mean, yeah. it's a roller coaster. It's like you hit the lowest low. <laughs> And that's when they bring you all the way back up. Yep. Not just with the with the the stripping and the hot tub, but he actually like they have him like unsheathe his axe in a very suggestive way, which like, is a little far even for me. Um, the symbolism uh, was strong. It's not lost. Um, <laughs> but he and Bree are really clicking. Bree just like radiates warmth and positivity in I a way that's her. quite unusual. Um, it's almost like palpable through the screen. Um, she just seems like she would be lovely to be around. Um, and so their, their one-on-one seems to be a huge success. Um, and heading into the night date, um, Victoria is still back at the house, just talking to apparently a producer. She called the manager. (laughs) Right. She's like, look, I'm not here to make friends, producer. Um, Everyone here is either lying, fake or losers. We're not here to be in a sorority. Um, And the producer's like, yes, I register your complaint. I'm definitely going to do something about that. She's not (laughs) going to do anything about it. This is the point of the show, Victoria. Um, And on the night date, uh, Brie and Matt get all dressed up. Uh, They head to dinner. Um, And... Bree opens up a little bit about her family. We know that she was raised by a single mom. um, And she says that her mom got pregnant with her when she was 13 years old. And so they're close in age. They're very 
close um, in their relationship and her mom didn't date when she was growing up. Um, now that Bree's an adult, she said, you know, my mom has a fiance, she's pregnant, she's having a new family and I'm not living there anymore. And she talks a little bit about how hard that is. This was like uh, a story I've never really heard told on The Bachelor. Um, no. I, it was uh, kind of this mixture of like, you know, it's poignant. You know, she has this beautiful relationship with her mom, clearly, but like because of the situation her mom was in, like it's it's complicated. Um and now she's dealing with her mom having a family again. What did you guys think of this this conversation? It made me really hope that she makes it to hometowns because I'd actually really love to meet her mom. I did some digging on Instagram because I'm, you know, run of the mill creep and found a, a really sweet photo of her and her mom. And I just, I don't know, I thought that this story was lovely. I, I enjoyed getting to know Brie a little bit more. And also it was nice to see Brie and Matt connect over the fact that they were both raised by single parents. They both have complicated relationships with their fathers. Um, yeah, I thought it, I thought they had a really nice connection and Brie just like remains a, a fave of mine. Aaron, what did you think? I, you know, I like Brie a lot too. She's definitely in my top, um, candidates for for Matt um and I think one thing I like on these one-on-one dates is you really do get to know the women and you know a lot of times I may not know someone's name (laughs) because there are so many of them um but I generally can remember their face and their and their story so it was good I mean with this date and with his date with Sarah um we got to hear about Sarah's story too which was you know devastating but also really heartwarming at the same time yeah and the the interesting thing for Emma and I I think and Aaron since you haven't like been on the bachelor treadmill of season after season this is probably less unusual to you but like we're really getting to know Matt in this context for the first time you know normally you've seen the lead have some dates on their season that they participated in. We've never seen Matt on a date before. And so we're getting to see how he holds himself in one-on-one conversations that are heavy. And, um, and that's, I mean, I feel like it's making him like pop more for me as a person, like the first episode, it almost doesn't feel real in the same way because I'm, I don't have that knowledge of him that I've had with other leads. And now he's like filling out more and like taking up more space in my, in my. I agree. He's like becoming a more complete person rather than just this like ab man, this like. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And he will always be that too. Don't worry. I'm still noticing the abs, but I, uh, it's nice to get to, to get to know him in more of a real way. And also I I was struck by the fact, like, at one point he says, like, I haven't gone on a date in a really long time. And that's also something that, like, you wouldn't be able to say if you had just come off of a season of the show. Like, you kind of would have just been put through the ringer and all of these constructed dates. And he's like, I've been in quarantine, not dating. (laughs) You've been with the quarantine crew. Yeah, I've been hanging out with Tyler C. Like, 
you know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think yeah. I think and it was it was great to see. And then of course we intercut this beautiful moments between Matt and Brie with like more Victoria. It's it was it's just constant. Victoria's commentary was relentless this episode. She's like, I can't be my most authentic self. I need to save all of this for a one-on-one. The other women are just like confused, I think, as as we are as an audience. Like, where is this coming from? Why are you manufacturing conflict? It seems like the behavior that comes after someone has had some time to enter a tailspin. Right. <laughs> which she hasn't had a chance to do. Um, but Matt does offer the rose to Brie and she accepts the rose. They watch fireworks go off. And of course, because they're all in the same resort, the women hear the fireworks going off directly overhead, um, which the producers love doing this anyway, just making sure that the women can see or hear whatever fun thing is happening on the one-on-one that they weren't invited to. Um, and it, in this case, pays off really well because the women hear the uh, fireworks and it just explodes all the tension in the house further. Um, the women are saying, oh, so she got the rose. That means that they're at this point in the date and like, good for her. But like, that sucks. And Victoria's like, well, now you guys know how I felt this morning. And you guys were just so rude to me when this is the issue I had all day. I'm here to spend time with Matt. That's important to me. So if it's not important to you, that's perplexing to me. As if she thinks they didn't like understand the feeling of wanting to be on the one-on-one date until this moment instead of just, like, being kind. Right. Also, like, it's not as though, like, you can be envious of someone and still happy for them and still kind to them. Like, these are not mutually exclusive feelings. I just don't understand why she is acting surprised that this is the way the show that has been on for however many years like almost 20 almost 20 years why are you shocked that matt is going on a date with someone one of the other 20 however many women who are in the house with you to potentially marry him like what telling karen maybe what did she think they were all just gonna sit around all day and just like (laughs) talk shit about whoever was on the date (laughs) like maybe that's what she was looking for um she really does seem like to think that it's news to these these other women that they're missing out on something, um, which is not the case. But I found it kind of almost hard to follow the conversation that ensued. Um, it was nonsensical. Because of how, yeah, it was nonsensical. Um, you know, Piper is like, you're negative and it's bringing us down. And Victoria's like, I'm not negative. You guys were just saying the same thing. And Serena says, you're getting upset. You're getting upset. You're getting upset. And Victoria says, yeah, because you guys are crazy. And then Chelsea says, there's a disconnect because people are speaking for others. No one needs to speak for everyone. We don't all feel the same way. And Victoria's like, yeah, thank you. I'm just being authentic and real. And then she calls out Mary Lynn, who is her roommate, for having said earlier that Marilyn wanted to pick Victoria's brain and understand her so she could understand why she acts the way she does. And Marilyn says, oh, I said I wanted us to get to know each other and understand each other. And Victoria's like, well, I didn't imagine the words that I just said. Like, you said that. 
And she stomps off. Marilyn says, I'm uncomfortable rooming with Victoria and gets upset. And Victoria, apparently reacting to this, packs up her stuff and sleeps on the couch in the common space. I'm just like, what's going on? What is happening? Okay, also, I just want to say that, like, even if she said exactly the words that Victoria said, I'm like, why is that bad? Like, why is that so bad? Honestly, I would applaud her if she did because it seemed a little shady, but like, like a little, a little a shady, that, but not I mean, like Victoria's being awful to everyone. Like, it seems like perfectly fine to me to make one little shady comment to her. Right. But it's not even it's that like, why shady. Do you act this way? Like in, in, in the range of shady mean things that one could reasonably say to Victoria, like, I want to pick your brain and understand why you act the way you do is like not not even that high on the shade scale. <laughs> I have no words for her. <laughs> I just, I I won't try to explain Victoria and her mindset. I think it is very clear um, what her problem is. And um, she just needs to get kicked off. That's all I got. It's baffling that like, I started this episode thinking that she was a producer plant and a producer pick. <laughs> And then the more you see Matt interact with her, the more I'm like, does he like Victoria? I'm confused. No. Um, we'll get into the the actual interactions between Matt and Victoria later in the episode. Um, at this point, in the, like, it's just like Victoria seems to be one of those women who, I mean, it's the Karen thing. She thinks that any horrible thing she says is just being authentic and real and anything honest that anyone says to her in response is bullying, which is... Yep. It's a deeply solipsistic, like, narcissistic way of viewing social interaction. If you want people to all be authentic and real by saying nasty things, then, like, you have to accept that some of those will be directed at you and not just toward them from you. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we'll have a whole lot more on Queen Victoria's reign of terror. So it's been a few years now, but I still look back on my time planning my wedding so fondly. I mean, I was so excited to get married to my partner and to plan a big party that really reflected who we are and our friend groups and our families. And it was also very complicated and there were lots of moving parts. It wasn't always easy. Well, Claire, maybe you should have used Zola because you can plan your entire wedding in one convenient place with Zola. Yes, I've thought this many times in the years since. I mean, with Zola, you have free planning tools like a customizable checklist and website. There's a venue and vendor discovery tool that matches you with your dream team. I mean, everything on Zola is just designed to make your wedding journey as easy as possible. And with invites that are super fun to create and a wedding registry packed with gifts that you actually want, Zola takes you from save the date right to thanks so much without breaking a sweat. When I was planning my wedding, honestly, it was just so hard to keep track of every component of the planning process. It would have been so much easier in retrospect and let me enjoy the really fun parts of planning a wedding more if I just had everything centralized. And that is exactly what Zola makes so easy. I mean, that is like the number one advice I would give anyone planning a wedding today. Start planning at Zola.com. That's Z-O-L-A.com. 
Are you one of those people who thinks they don't have time to prioritize wellness? If so, Aloe Moves is here to change your whole mindset. From beginner to advanced, Aloe Moves has the flower class that will fit your whole schedule, even if your schedule is very complicated and ever-changing like mine is. And their classes range from five minutes to an hour, depending on what you're feeling that day, which is so convenient. They've got award-winning workouts like sweat-inducing yoga flows, HIIT classes, or reformer Pilates workouts. Truly, truly have it all. Because you can also find stress relief with meditations, affirmations, face yoga, gua sha, dry brushing, and journaling for those quieter moments. I am one of those people who really struggles to prioritize wellness. I did before I had kids, and now it's even harder because you're always doing pickup or drop-off. You're making a lunch. You're like dealing with some need that your children have or you're working and Aloe Moves allows me to just fit those workouts in, in those spare moments when I find myself with an extra 30 minutes of time, I can do a yoga class, I can do something that gets my heart rate up and it really works with my lifestyle. So unlock your personal wellness routine with Aloe Moves. Go to alomoves.com now and use code LTSI20 for an exclusive 30-day free trial and enjoy 20% off an annual membership. That's alomoves.com code LTSI20. alomoves.com code LTSI20. I am someone who is perpetually facing the issue of my closet is messy and full, and yet I feel like I have nothing to wear. Mm -hmm. But Quince has been an absolute game changer for my style. Same. If I really need a new luxury basic, I know where I'm going to find one that is going to fit the bill, work for a lot of different occasions and styles. And I'm also going to stay on budget, which is a huge plus. They have items like 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for just $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14-karat gold jewelry. The best part is that all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passing... uh, and passes the savings on to us. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. I love Quince for their wardrobe basics. Like I have a really amazing leather blazer from Quince, but I also have gotten really into like their luggage and travel accessories. I just purchased an incredible like neoprene weekender bag and it is such high quality. The color is beautiful. And I spent about half as much as I would have spent on a very similar product from a fancier brand name. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash LTSI for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash LTSI to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash LTSI. If you're a wine lover, here's a little secret. There is a personalized wine club that has amazing wines and exclusive perks. It's called First Leaf. As a First Leaf member, you get to discover new wines you're guaranteed to enjoy. To start, you just answer a few questions on their website about what flavors you like, how often you drink wine, and if you prefer red, white, or rosé. As always, I love a quiz. (laughs) And based on the answers that you give, First Leaf curates a really amazing selection of wines. 
just for you. Later, when you rate those wines, your wine selection gets even more tailored. Choose when the wine is delivered and how often to get new assortments of wine. If you want wine pairing advice or to talk about the wines in your box, you can always speak with one of their first leaf experts. As someone who loves wine, but really doesn't know much about why I like certain bottles and what it goes with, this is such an incredible way to get to know your own taste in wine better. I know. I totally agree. I got to try the Chenin Blanc from South Africa that is part of First Leaf's premium wines collection, and it was so good, and it was not something that I would have necessarily picked out myself a quiz and good wine. I mean, everyone's winning here. (laughs) Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash LTSI to get your first box. That's tryfirstleaf.com slash LTSI. tryfirstleaf.com slash LTSI. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. As they should, learning a language is so important. So if that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel, the science-backed learning language app that actually works. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are designed by over 150 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks, which is kind of wild. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college, aka so, so many days of waking up for an 8.30 class that I maybe didn't need to do at all. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Personally, I've been trying to brush up on some basic French because I am headed to go work from Paris for a few weeks. And it's been really helpful because my French is not good. But now I don't have to sound like such an idiot. (laughs) You can never sound like an idiot, but Babbel can definitely help. Here's a special limited time deal for listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash LTSI. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash LTSI. Spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash LTSI. Rules and restrictions may apply. And now back to the show. So the next date card has 18 women on it because it is the solo group date. Um, and the the women attending will be Chelsea, Serena P, Abigail, Sydney, Ileana, Kristen, Lauren, Jasenia, Serena C, Kit, Kylie, Katie, MJ, Mari, Piper, Rachel, and Victoria. I'm looking for the one. It's a lot so, of women. It's a lot of women. <laughs> he's looking for the one out of these 18 women. Um, and it's a rainy, misty morning on the bucolic slopes of Nima Colon. And Matt is roaming the fields in a tuxedo. <laughs> it's really romantic. It's like right out of Pride and Prejudice. Because look, Claire, he wants a healthy marriage. He hasn't seen this. And he's like, you know, I know the way to find a healthy marriage. It's to stage a wedding photo shoot, which turns into a cutthroat game. With 18 women, I've had a total of five collective conversations with. That's how you model a healthy marriage. That's that's just what I know. Marriage is one part photo shoots in front of 17 other women and one part capture the flag yeah, with paint. That's, what's, <laughs> that's how you and Greg uh, structure your relationship, right? 
That's correct. And it's exhausting, especially now that we have a child, you know, to squeeze that in um, amidst our daily photo shoots and color wars. Um, so <laughs> there's like a a greenery arch set up and the women are all dressing. They're, they're sent to dress themselves up in wedding gowns and veils for their shoots with Matt. Um, Victoria grabs a crown, of course. I have you heard she's Queen Victoria. Um, she's like, I know the women are annoyed by my strong personality, but that's what's going to make me stand out to Matt. And I'm curious to see, um, as a woman who at one point in my life thought that being very abrasive would make me stand out in a good way to men, um, <laughs> more effective in fiction than in reality. Um, just, you, I mean, that's fine. Like, you just have to know it's not really a good dating strategy. Um, so the photo shoot begins. Um, Franco is back. Franco's back. He's wearing, like, a feathered cape. <laughs> or Incredible a outfit. Instagram Incredible style. fashion moment. Hot also, pink pants. Do we think Franco has just been, like, quarantining since... Uh, Tasha and Clara's season with the Bachelor crew and he just like moved from La Quinta right to Nemecolon. Probably. I hope he's full-time staff. <laughs> I do. Um, I hope in the off-season he just is around Warner Brothers just like <laughs> taking photos. Um, so they're they're taking their their photo shoots. Jacenia goes up, Serena P. She's like, Matt's looking for the one. I feel like I would be an incredible wife and an incredible mother. This is that wife and mother audition that they've all been waiting for. Um, and Mari is taking her photos. Franco is sort of chatting to her in Spanish, it seems like. As oh, I they're doing that. this shoot. Because, well, the reason I mention is because then Victoria seems to try to, like, pivot off of this to jump in and say, Las Royal Wedding. <laughs> oh my god i missed that i, I, I just heard her say royal wedding she like oh, bursts no. forward and is like uh lost royal wedding unless Girl. i like completely hallucinated i it mean was very... look given what we've seen of victoria i would not put it past her <laughs> um and everyone's like uh no sweetie mari's not done like you can't just no it's not your turn and Mari finishes her shoot, and then Franco tries to call Piper, and Victoria's like, um, did you forget me? And Franco's like, no, I didn't forget. He was like, I was trying but to ignore Then you. they let Victoria take the next shoot uh, slot, so it all works out for her. She makes Matt take a garter off her thigh, and then makes out with him. It really, uh, he was not into this makeout. It felt really awkward. I was like, this, this man is just trying so hard to be gracious and this makes me feel uncomfy like so much about victoria i yeah. hate it <laughs> i have to say offering them garters you know i think production really set this situation up i would just be like don't give them garters i don't want to well you know that's just me um so at that point chris harrison shows up half the women still haven't had their photo shoots and when it becomes apparent that there will be no, no more photo shoots. If I'm Piper, I'm really pissed. Just throwing that out there. Um, and he's like, Matt's looking for a woman who will fight for him. Really fight. Like, hurt someone for Matt. Just for a little time with Matt. Like, someone who will rip the beating heart out of another woman. 
and crush it into the dirt for Matt. And to accomplish uh, this, they are going to play a game of essentially capture the flag. Um, but with a stuffed heart. With a stuffed hearts. And like tagging people on the other team out with like paint. Um, and the team that wins will get the night day with Matt, of course. And Chris says the other women will get to take their ruined dresses home and wonder who's making out with Matt. Harrison is just trolling at this point. He's like, look, I got nothing to do on this resort. Let me break. Some He's hearts. like, do you, I, I like it's like, Chris, do you think they're not thinking about that already? These women are already at the verge of like poisoning each other at this point. And I specifically do mean Victoria. Yeah. Also, Chris um, is like, there's no rules. Get as aggressive as possible. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> although they do, they do generally seem to have a lot of fun with this. Like it does seem like pretty lighthearted. They're like dipping bouquets in paint and like, you know, bashing each other lightly. It, the one thing I was concerned about was that they seem to have like purses that they can hit each other in the face with, which <laughs> felt a little more dangerous than like a bouquet tap. Yeah, I mean, would you guys, you know, participate in this for a little extra time with Matt? Um, this is when I got off my couch and got some more wine because I <laughs> every So you wouldn't time, even watch it for a little extra time with I, Matt. I, I couldn't. I every time <laughs> there's some kind of game on this show, I just get really nervous and I can't the secondhand embarrassment like all of it is too much for me. Um and I would have half played the little game and hope my team won. And like, that would have been the, the end of oh, it Oh, yeah, me. yeah. No, that's my general like team sport vibe is like appear to be participating, but like never have the like fate of the team resting on me. It's just like exactly. dodge around, try to paint some people, but like never go in for the the heart. That totally would have been. hundred Would have been my vibe. Yes. I was uh, the kid who used to like play in the dirt at the other side of the field during soccer games. So I would probably just do something like Claire's that. Claire's like wandering <laughs> off into Nemecolon, like looking at I'm the sorry, leaves. Were we playing a game? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I always find it a little weird, like unpleasant when they do uh, competition dates that involve them like physically attacking each other or doing something to like you know like even yeah. just the whole like oh they're crazy brides you know is not a trope that I like to see reflected on my screen however as activities go it's far from the most humiliating one that we have seen the women on the bachelor put right through. I mean the thought of they like getting to totally destroy fancy wedding gowns uh, that seems fun to me like seeing yeah. them all just like cut off the trains of their dresses there was something sort of like satisfying about that I was like yeah that part of the game I'll definitely participate in but ultimately um the red team prevails MJ comes in with the sneak attack and just like grabs the yellow team's heart and so Chris uh declares that Mari is the most valuable bride, MVB, and thus gets to join the winning team. Yeah. It's unclear. They like neglected to show like, us what made her the most valuable bride. I was, like I think or, it was I think it was because it, she had the heart. She had grabbed the other team's heart, uh, but then she got tackled by all of them. But she like had 
They like her I, team almost I like brides won. that don't get tackled personally. Oh yeah. <laughs> Listen, if if she were that great, they would have won. I'm just saying. That's how I was like, what? Like this isn't how MVPs work. No, like, it's not. It's certainly not. If you're the MVP, you get added to the winning team. That's. It didn't make any just, sense, but um, those are the rules. There are no rules, so <laughs> that's there's right. no there logic no in this. I actually thought. I mean, so Victoria's on the red team, which wins. We do see maybe our most positive side of Victoria um, when she is given a reason to be on the same side as literally anyone else. She was kind of. Right. And it's that glimpse of a of a moment where you're like, maybe she just really doesn't thrive at all in a competitive setting. Like maybe she's the sort of person where you put her in competition with every woman around her in a very explicit way and she just can't handle it. She sort um, of gave me that's t- a real gives me Tierra vibes in that way. Yeah. From Sean's. Also, season. we should mention, however, on the the other side of the equation, that an Instagram photo of Victoria yes. did surface, um, in which there's a Trump flag in the background. Yeah, which um allegedly she like posted that that wasn't her flag and she was at a makeup artist's house, whatever. I, I think look, regardless, it's sus. She's sus. I don't trust that girl. Serious Karen energy. Like she yeah. also seemed to be hosting what appeared to be like a super spreader event watch party to, for the premiere, like with like 12 people. So I'm just like, OK, you don't believe in the pandemic. Like there's a lot of red flags that all probably add up. Um, so I don't also trust we, we checked out her her business page. Oh, she dear. Owns, Lord. Like a beauty, a beauty uh, and tanning uh, business. Claire, I think you need to they read post- this post. I oh think Aaron God. needs to to hear the caption of this. It's <laughs> the crazy. So back last summer, they posted. She posted a uh, a post for for the Black Lives Matter movement, um, which is difficult to really wrap your head around. What she wrote was. Black Lives Matter. We apologize for a delay in commenting, but have ed- been educating ourselves on the injustice in the system. We strive to do better and speak up. With Jet Set Glow, all skin tones are welcome, and a spray tan <laughs> isn't about Stop. making you darker necessarily. It more so evens your skin tone and contours your muscles so black and white clients are happy after. Hashtag LA, hashtag BLM, hashtag we stand with you. You can't. You cannot make this shit up. You cannot. Wait. <laughs> so <laughs> I read I the thought, first half and I was like, okay, so just like a bad BLM right. post. And then I saw the word tanning <laughs> further down the <laughs> caption. I was like, I'm sorry, I need to return to that. Oh. I mean, forgive me. I thought tanning <sighs> was specifically a process to make your skin darker. It's also it's what like- I thought. Well, he would be wrong, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I need to educate you, myself on the injustice in, in the system, generally. I can't even formulate words to under, <laughs> to respond to this in a way that, I mean, uh, <laughs> a post about BLM, about your business not responding, and then having SpawnCon, essentially, in it 
around your tanning solution that you think black people are now going to be using. Look, Aaron, you take every opportunity to promote yourself, <laughs> like hustle. You know, this is she's just out here. She's out here being an ally. She's educating herself on the injustice in the general system. What system? Who can say? The system. There's injustice and there's tanning. The important thing is that tanning is not part of the system. It's a good thing. <laughs> it's and a contouring method. It's a contouring and, and also uh, equal s- skin tone <laughs> flattening and also a contouring process that uh, <laughs> promotes justice and equity. And I think uh, I learned a lot from that caption. Um, so- I don't even know where to go from there, but let's push ahead. Um, the night date uh, arrives. Mari and the red team are getting more time with Matt. So it's still a good amount of women. Um, it's like 10 women. Um, and the group date Rose is waiting on the table when they arrive. And Lauren uh, is ready to really make a play. She hasn't talked to Matt since her limo exit. She was one of the women who didn't get time with him that first night. And so she pulls him early on. They sit down and he asks what she wants in a relationship. And she says someone who's a man of faith. Um, And wouldn't you know, but a man of faith is sitting right in front of her uh, in Matt James. Um, Her dad she says always told her the secret to his beautiful marriage to her mother was God. And she wants that for her marriage. And she wants a marriage where they accept their imperfections, but also they just accept each other. And Matt says, you know, I usually don't lead with being Christian when I'm dating because there are preconceptions. It turns people off, but I'm so glad that we share that value. Um, he did he did lead very hard with being Christian on The Bachelor. So I'm I'm intrigued to hear that that's not his usual approach to dating, actually. I was struck by this conversation for a couple of reasons. Um, first, I felt like actually this conversation felt much more the way that religion should be approached on the show as opposed to what we saw in the first episode with like a forced group prayer without, you know, the acknowledgement that not everyone might share the same faith traditions um, or allowing people to kind of opt out of that. Whereas this is like two people organically connecting over the fact that they do share uh, the same faith and that they do value that faith in terms of finding a partner. So that seemed, you know, like a genuine connection. I also was struck, though, at just by how explicitly um, the show has seemed to want to frame Matt as a Christian man, kind of first and foremost. And it felt, it it just in my mind, having seen a lot of uh, very religious Christian leads on this show, the fact that with Matt, it seems to be mentioned more explicitly and more often and kind of centered more, especially given that like we don't know him outside of this. And I felt a little like odd about that. And I have um, I also heard again from a friend of mine through a friend of 
of hers that knows Matt in New York that allegedly uh, production kind of said to him explicitly, like, we want you to kind of lead with your Christianity. Um, And it makes me wonder, like, why they want so badly for their first Black Bachelor to have uh, his his faith kind of be like the defining feature of, of his narrative. Aaron, I'm curious what, what you felt about that. You know, I, I guess it's really interesting to me because I mean, I grew up in the church. Uh, My mother grew up in the church. My, you know, it's very, very much a, Uh, a part of my family's upbringing and like our traditions. But when I, you know, I, what I imagine Matt's church experience to be is probably very much different from mine. I grew up in a black Baptist church. I know Matt grew up with his white mother. I imagine him going to a white church. I, I think about how there are a lot of, um, you know, black Christians who do have those conversations really early on in, in dating someone about their faith and spirituality. And I think for me, I, I, I kind of just wonder um, more about his beliefs when he brings it up than I, than, than it does to soothe me in any kind of way and watching and watching this. Yeah, that's interesting. It's yeah, it, it, I feel like the show has traditionally shied away from religion, partly maybe for that reason to some level, to some extent that like it reminds people of something that's very personal and sensitive to them that there's so much disagreement about and so many variations of. And like when you find out that someone that you think of as like this highly prized bachelor is of a faith tradition that troubles you in some way or that's in conflict with yours that can be divisive and it's not worth it to like really raise that um but they've gone further and further in the direction of just like hoping i guess that it will be more of a binder between the bachelor and the the religious christians who are watching and um i'm interested in why they are making that decision and you know it's he brings it up also And the context later in the episode of just when Sarah shares something uh, personal and painful, he says, you know, what I lean on when I'm having a hard time is my faith. So I'll be praying for your family. You know, that's a level of introducing it even in a one-on-one conversation that I don't think we've seen among even our most religious leads in the past who would say, you know, faith is important to me. They wouldn't necessarily in a conversation about something else be like, well, I lean on my faith, so I'll pray for you. So that really, really struck me. Um, And did any other conversations from this uh, group date stand out to you guys? He had a couple more, I guess, with Jasenia and Victoria. He has um, sit-downs. The the Jasenia conversation struck me. I mean, she does talk about how she was cheated on, but I was much more struck by... Matt's uh, very gendered response to that in which he said, like, I feel like being a man, you have certain responsibilities. Protect your wife. Provide for your family. Love your wife. Love your family. Uh, Again, like, 
really wonderful to have a protective energy over your family, to prize like loving your your partner and your family. I think these are really important things if you want to like be a provider in whatever way you define that, great. But it did give me that like tinge of ickiness of like, well, as a man, this is why I have this responsibility. I am the protector and you are like the one that needs protection Um, instead of, you know, personally, what I like to see is kind of like a more equal division of those responsibilities and that people have the ability to, you know, protect each other and provide for each other in, in a variety, variety of different ways. That was my initial reaction too. And there's that's definitely something I give weight to, as we've discussed many times on the on this podcast. I also like I feel like his family background probably gives a little extra context there, which is that like he yeah. feels like his father didn't live up to his responsibilities. Um, and sometimes that can result in people latching on a little bit more to these like role expectations that 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 they didn't necessarily see modeled in their family but that they felt the lack of and that they would hope that they would do in the future and um i think to some level we are seeing matt kind of grapple with that in when he talks about what he wants to be in a relationship no i think that's a really really good point um and And then they kiss lovely and then we get (laughs) lots of kissing we get the Victoria conversation. Have you ever seen a man be like attempting to be gracious, but so clearly disinterested in another person? Because this was just a stunning exchange to me. Yeah, his whole body language was like, I'm listening to you, but I already know what I'm going to do about this situation. (laughs) But I hear you and I can't believe what you're saying. And now we are going to have make actions about it. But I hope he is actually thing about watching The Bachelor and The Bachelorette for me is I'm always like, please tell me you are smarter than whatever this crazy person (laughs) is telling you right now. And you are going to get them the hell up out of here. Because I can't. I'm take I'm it. worried that so this is actually the first of two conversations we, we see between Matt and Victoria this episode. Yes. And both are unsettling to me. And you would think would be unsettling to Matt. Um both times his reactions kind of surprised me, although he doesn't seem super into it. He also doesn't seem as repulsed as I would be. Um, Victoria basically sits down with Matt and is like, I have a lot of sides. You know, I come across as confident. I'm not always confident. I'm human. I have insecurities. For example, when I was picking out a dress, I was like, oh, I hope I don't look fat, you know, for Matt. You know? And he was like, you look great. And she's like, thank you. Um, And he's like, yeah, you know, I get it. I'm also... I'm not always as together as I seem and I want to keep getting to know you because you're beautiful. And can I take you back upstairs? (laughs) He was like, let's pivot away from this. Let's pivot away from talking about your fat phobia. You have insecurities. I have insecurities. I think we've found common ground in our (laughs) shared basic humanity. Now it's time for you to go. And she's like, but let's make out. And he obliges and then she says 
I haven't been that deep with a guy for a while. I was like, what? You you went nowhere, girl. <laughs> what? Where was the depth? I'm very confused. So what and, we do know about this show is that it's possible she shared something else. That very was true. Cut in order to make her look more. We know that this happened with Olivia um, Caridi on Ben's season that they sort of chopped her conversation with Ben into her basically being like, "Mm, sorry about your friend who died. I'm worried that I have cankles. And like, that isn't necessarily an accurate reaction of, or an accurate depiction of how these moments go. That being said, we certainly do not see any evidence that they went very deep. And it's certainly possible that she thinks saying, I was worried that I would look fat in the dress qualifies as sharing something very deep. So jury's still out on this one. But that is not looking good. then why she is disturbed that Matt gives the rose to Lauren. Victoria's like, I shared a lot and went out of my way during the day. So yeah, I guess my sharing things wasn't enough. I was also struck by the fact that this like betrays a, a very clear understanding of the trauma economy of The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, she was like, I guess the problem isn't that Matt isn't into me, but the problem is that I didn't reveal enough traumatic things about myself. Guess it's time to dig around into the depths and uh, come up with more for next time. Well, it's also like the narcissism, again, that like she's the only real player in this game. Like, if she shares enough, she should get the rose. Like, there's no question of what other women might be sharing. You know, that's not part of the equation. And I don't want to, like, totally gloss over the comment about being worried she would look fat. I think it just really bothered me. Because, of course, we, like, a lot of women do worry that they look fat. Like, that's real. But there's no body diversity on this show. Like, We just see a bunch of really skinny women being picked for dates and showered with attention. And then the only even like mention of fatness is is women making comments like this. And like that really bums me out. Um, Yeah, it really it was like a, a stark reminder of how much thinness is prized on this show. And and also just like how fucking ingrained fat phobia is in our culture that like for. You know, if in fact this was the deep, scary thing that Victoria shared, like for a lot of women, that is like a a legitimate constant fear in the back of their minds, because like the worst thing that one could be as a woman is to be fat. Um, And, you know, obviously this is like an issue that extends far beyond Victoria and and we don't get a whole lot of conversations about bodies. I think probably because the show doesn't want to call attention to the fact that they have so little body diversity. But I yeah, I think you accurately described Claire why that like comment felt so kind of like ugh. bummer bummed me bummer. out. Bummer. So we're on to the final date of the week. Sarah, sky is the limit for us. Um, A few women who didn't get dates this week, Maggie, Alana, Marilyn, Anna, one other woman, I lost track. Um, And so Sarah and Matt, of course, will be 
going up in a biplane, the tiniest plane I've ever seen. It looks like one of those balsa wood planes that you get in a kit. <laughs> you would not catch me in that ever. No, terrifying. <laughs> I would Absolutely get divorced terrifying. to not have to get in that plane. <laughs> yeah, I was. Mm-mm. Nope. <laughs> nope. And they kind of cut out the pilot such that it almost looks like Matt <laughs> is flying her while snuggling with her and making out with her, which made me feel even more anxious, even though logically I knew there was also a pilot. Yep. Added to the feeling of danger. Um, and so the women at the resort, of course, see them flying overhead. They're very jealous. You know, I wish, I'm sorry, they're envious. No. Rachel's <laughs> like, this is more special a first date than I've ever done. I'm so jealous. And I was like, you know, I don't think I've ever been on a first date that wasn't just have a drink at a terrible bar. So <laughs> right. I can't relate. I've never wanted to be in a tiny plane on a first date. Or ever. Um, <laughs> or on like a millionth date or like in my life. So having fear bonded in the plane, uh, Matt and Sarah sit by a fire and talk about family. And what I forgot before this conversation happened but that is relevant is that we learn a lot about Sarah's family in her intro package, but she has not actually told that stuff to Matt. So I kept being like, why is Matt being so weird about this? What does he want to know? And that's because I already knew all the stuff he was trying to find out. Yep. Um, so he's asking about her parents, how much they're in touch. And she's like, oh, I'm very close with my mom, even more so than my dad, um, even more so with my dad. It's hard to be away from them, but they support me being here. And Matt can tell she's, like, holding something back that's relevant to her family. And he like he's like, I need her to be vulnerable. Other women are doing that. I need that from her. Um, it's always kind of, like, it's, to me, I'm always, like, are producers telling him he needs to get more on this? Or can he yes. just sense it from her body language like a bloodhound? I felt like they were telling him. Because at, at the night portion of the day where they're having dinner by a pool, he's basically, like, just says directly, I need you to go deeper in our conversation tonight. Like, he just launches right in. I was like, oh, this is a guy who hasn't been on this show before. Like, he has no finesse. He's just like, look, they told me, like, we need to go deep. You're hiding something. Can you just, like, tell me? Yeah. He's like, just share share the trauma. (laughs) And we've talked about our, like, concerns with, again, this, this kind of trauma economy. Um, but ultimately, this conversation seems to go seems to go well. Yeah. So this is when Sarah, Sarah shares that um, when she was in college, her dad got sick. He was diagnosed with ALS. She sort of explains how the disease progresses, the life expectancy. Um, and she says her father has surpassed his doctor's expectations. He's still here. It's five years after he was diagnosed. But it's been really hard, you know, watching him progress in the illness and she tells Matt that she left her career in TV news to be a caregiver um, and talks about doing these things for her dad that he used to do for her when she was very little and this is when Matt says you know the thing that gives me strength is my faith and I'll I'll pray for you and your family Um, and this conversation um, is very heartfelt and beautiful and just the perfect segue to them stripping down and getting into an outdoor hot tub which is what happens next. Oh, Two yes. hot tubs already. <laughs> I mean, I love it. We're going to get yeah. a lot of these, but I really, yeah, I really too. liked this date. I liked both of the one-on-ones and Sarah yeah. seems 
great. I thought this conversation was great. Um, and one can just imagine that that watching any close person to you with a degenerative disease is just absolutely, absolutely devastating. Um, and I did see that Matt linked in his Instagram story to um, an organization that does ALS research. And I thought that that was a really nice way for him to to use his platform to kind of bring bring attention to ALS. Yeah. Yeah. And now cocktail party because she gets the rose, which, duh. Yeah, of course. Um, uh, Yeah, it's time for the cocktail party. I just I had to take a pause and reflect on how much happens at this cocktail party and think about whether I'm really ready to discuss it. I'm Um, not. I'm not. Are you guys ready to discuss this? No, I'm not ready to relive that. Should we cancel? We're canceling the cocktail party. (laughs) Um, so Matt sits down with Abigail and they, uh, talk about, you know, how hard it is to get to know each other in a group setting. She wants to give him a signal. She's like, if I fix my earring, it'll be like blowing you a kiss. And he's like, oh, I'll pull on my earlobe too. It'll be our shared signal. Um, they seem to still have a good connection. And he's like, we're all just getting more comfortable. We're all relaxed. I'm blown away by how the women can articulate themselves. Which, Which I'm also okay. shocked to like, see. Matt, uh, <laughs> you shouldn't be like. With what kind of dating experiences have you been having? Right. He's like shocked. He's like, women can Talk. speak. Okay. That is, they my mind is talk. blown. He has a very sweet little conversation with Maggie, who again, I want more from her. She I didn't get a date this Maggie. week. She didn't even get a date. Um, I don't even know who that is. So she's the Ethiopian model slash pharmacist. Yes. yes. Oh, I like her. She's who beautiful. seems she's just like ten years older than all the other women there, and just like probably like I'm like please exclude me from this narrative. Um, <laughs> and we do get a little of her during the cocktail party, sort of trying to make sense of Victoria, what's about to and then she's like I, uh, um, yeah. And Marilyn sits down with Matt and. You know, she didn't get a date and Matt does like a very sweet thing where like clearly a producer has like run to the local dollar store to procure an orchid, which is Marilyn's. A dollar store orchid, the yeah. most valuable kind. <laughs> well, uh, sorry, my friend texted me last night to be like, I've stayed at Nemecolon and there is nothing nearby except for a dollar store. So now I'm like convinced <laughs> that's the only place that, that they can go. Um <laughs> And Marilyn is obviously like very overjoyed because he he did something thoughtful. She brings back this orchid and Victoria is just put over the edge. She's like, now that I've seen the orchid, I must tattle on Marilyn. And yeah, this begins- Victoria has a lot to say already at this point. She's yeah. like, Marilyn is toxic. She brings toxic energy. I can't be with her in our room. That just goes back to me being an empath. And if I'm around uh, that energy, it can just take over. Let I just me want say, to flag here the word an empath. empath. The word empath is a bad sign. If you describe yourself as an empath, I'm I'm keeping an extra close eye on you at this point. Also, like, you're not an empath. Like, she has no empathy for other people. Uh, she is not an empath. I mean very also i want to call out that like people figured Victoria- out that they could use empath to mean like i'm affected by other people's actions <laughs> right <laughs> yes and that's yes mm. that i also just want to flag that 
Victoria going so hard after Marilyn feels especially gross because it does feel like that sort of like Karen calling the, you know, reporting the woman of color to the authorities vibe. Like she like goes over to Matt and is like, I need to tell you that Marilyn manipulated me and she bullied me and I had to sleep on the couch because she's so toxic. And Matt, who is, again, unaware of the playbook that is often used by people, especially people sort of framed by the show as villains on this show, is like clearly worried he doesn't want to support bullying. He's he's so trusting and he just he's like, like takes I'm, what Victoria I'll says. Be best here. And so then he's like, I'm so sorry, Victoria, that you have been going through this. Mm. And he's off to investigate, which we know always goes very well. So this is what baffled me. Like he just had a conversation with Marilyn, who is like, I mean, what Victoria says about Marilyn is she she cries to manipulate situations. We do see Marilyn cry because Victoria's like shrieking at her. And um, we also see Marilyn cry a little bit with Matt because she's upset that she didn't get a date. She's worried that she upset him in some way. It's clear that Marilyn um, is is a crier like Emma and myself. Um, yeah. That doesn't mean that she's manipulating people by crying. But nevertheless, Matt just sat down with Marilyn and she comes off as so like gentle and sweet and kind of shy and he just sat down with victoria who i thought he had pegged as kind of a piece of work and instead he's like i think victoria is probably telling the truth here what do you guys think is going through matt's head (laughs) um yeah i i think he tries to accept everybody in their moment as who they are as their like very truthful selves so like I think he believed Victoria 100% and is like okay like now I need to go about whatever investigation he is going to end up doing and like I you know obviously we'll get to the end of the episode in a second but like I feel incomplete that I don't know what ended up transpiring and that I have to go another week with Victoria lingering in the freaking shadows of this bachelor situation. I just think he believes her until, is going to believe her until people tell her actually no. Yeah, he seems like a naturally sort of trusting person. He's like, well, someone told me she was hurt. I don't like when people are hurt. Why would anyone Um, make that up? Which, again, I do think in that moment we see his naivete in the Bachelor world that, like, if you're on the show, then you know to be suspicious when someone just comes to you and makes a really strong allegation, like, two days into the season about another contestant. Um, But Matt has none of that. He's like, "I, I don't understand a world in which there would be a motive to make this up to me. And that's because he's never been on the show before. (laughs) He's like a babe in the woods. So he comes back and he pulls Marilyn out to, you know, investigate again. And Victoria comes and just like launches into a tirade about Marilyn to in front of all of the women. She it's striking 
how little she seems to care about having any allies or friends in the house. She just does not care at all. And all of the other women are just like befuddled. They're like, we have been spending a lot of time with Marilyn. And this is seems very out of character and nothing you're saying makes a lick of sense. Yeah. Uh, MJ's like, I, I disagree. I've never seen her be rude to anyone. And Victoria's like, uh, it was shocking when she was like that to me, like that, doing a lot of work in that sentence. Um, <laughs> she's like, it was super weird. Um, Maggie is also like, I, I'm shocked. I don't think Marilyn would say anything really hurtful. It doesn't seem, I mean, I wasn't there for sure, but like, it doesn't really sound right. So Victoria is not finding allies among the women. Um, I'm almost surprised that she tried to tell them about it. It was weird. All of her behavior is so bizarre. Like none of it is particularly tactical even. It's not tactical. It it doesn't seem calculated to like win herself allies or even to like stay out of difficult conversations. She she clearly just enjoys confrontation, right? Like I yeah, it's she very she truly she does. People say that about about certain people, but I've never really seen it so much the case. So Matt tells uh, Marilyn what Victoria said to him, and she's like, "Well, I have to defend myself. Um, I don't want to be in drama, but." It's her word against mine, and all I can say is I'm not someone who would be spiteful to someone, and it's not okay with me that she's jeopardizing our time together. What can I do to show you that I'm telling the truth? And Matt's like, I just have a lot to think about. It's turned into a she said, she said. He's heard both sides, and now he doesn't know who to believe. It's, listen, it's tricky. Another crack investigation <laughs> by Matt James, you know. The the Bachelor almost never does a good job investigating these things. No. Whereas the women are often really good at investigating these things when they're the lead. And that's why every season should just be the Bachelorette. <laughs> um, So Marilyn comes back out and asks Victoria to speak with her. Um, Victoria refuses to go outside because it's cold so all the other women tactfully leave Marilyn has to sit or Marilyn has to sit Victoria gets up and moves to another couch so that they aren't sitting together like what and then they have so rude truly one of the more baffling conversations even of the episode um Marilyn is trying to say there's been miscommunication I clearly hurt your feelings I'm very sorry um I acknowledge that you are hurt um but I don't want to keep fighting. And Victoria's like, well, we have two different realities for what happened. And I don't want to fight either, but you're toxic and manipulative. I think we're like oil and vinegar. Uh, We make a delicious dressing and we're shaken up together. Um, And Marilyn's like, I really think we can come to an understanding if we try. And Victoria says, I don't care to Marilyn. And then she leaves as Marilyn is sort of plaintively being like, I didn't say those things. Victoria's like, you're too much for me. This was like a really like psychotic conversation. And I felt really bad for Marilyn, who seems like a gentle soul who just like got brought into this drama because she was rooming with Victoria. And I feel like Marilyn's response was like, it's literally the, kind of response from a person who was like 
I'm literally not here for your ridiculous drama, but like I'm trying to calm the situation down and bring the temperature down. And you very much quickly see that, which we didn't need any more signs that this was the case, that Victoria is unhinged, um, where someone with a little less tact or a little more, um, uh, I'll take you there if I need to, would have been like, girl, you are crazy. Like, we are not about to do this because that would have been me if I was Marilyn. That she was able to just kind of retreat and say, look, I'm just trying to squash this so we can move on. I, I just, that show, they need to show Matt that clip so he can, like I said, Karen he'll see it at the end after he and Victoria are engaged he'll see all of this and it'll be too late I mean this show really proved to me season after season that the whole idea that it like it takes two to tango is is like two people to have a detente which we have seen happen like two women who hate each other being like we don't want this to be a storyline let's just leave each other alone and then it goes away. It's happened. Other times, one person doesn't want to make it go away. So it doesn't. All it takes is one person to keep the feud going. Um, and Victoria's decided to be that person because she genuinely cares about human connection. And Marilyn took advantage of that and bullied her. And that's really tough. So it's time for the rose ceremony. Matt has just been thinking this over and I guess not gathering any more information about it, which is a good sign. Um, and so he stands up in front of the women and says, I heard some things that were concerning, but I'm going to continue to follow my heart. And he starts handing out roses, Piper, Kit, Maggie, Rachel, Abigail, Chelsea, Jasenia, Katie, Serena C. And at this point, Sarah, overcome by all the excitement and probably some champagne and standing in heels on a riser at three in the morning, starts to black out. Um, and I think Brie grabs her and kind of leads her off to a producer. And Matt stops, rushes over, and a medic comes over and is like, this woman is about to black out. And that's where we cut, which is extremely convenient on the show's part to force this drama into the beginning of next week's episode. But we do see a little bit of footage from next week, and it feels as if either Victoria gets a rose or like no one gets sent home and they just cancel the rose ceremony because of Sarah's fainting. But Victoria seems to be the center of conflict yet again. <sighs> At least we have a full so week much to, to look ourselves. forward to. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. on, on MLK Day, no less. Oh, God. Um, oh, I, God. I, I would love to see our dear queen air quotes on that be kicked off um on a day honoring historic you know a civil rights icon i mean it's it's only right though i do agree it seemed like we might see more of her <laughs> i mean week, which is you know, the least me. they could do is send her home on mlk day so i agree yes. justice yes. in some small way must be served Aaron, thank you so, so much for joining us today and taking a break from your normal duties of preventing us from publishing insane things on HuffPost. We really <laughs> appreciate it. This was so much fun. Thanks for having me. I can come back anytime. Yes, we'll definitely yes. have to do it again. 
Okay, now it's time for some feminism fails, and we do have a few this time. This episode was just overall, as we called out, there was like an atmosphere of uh, unsisterliness that seemed seemed more harmful than than positive overall. Um, a few specific instances we want to call out. Uh, Serena C. at one point says the claws are about to come out and that things are going to get catty. We did hear a few comments of this nature, um, which, you know, just play into the those old, old bachelor tropes of women catfighting over men. Um, so I'm going to give that a 2.5. And then, as we mentioned earlier, we have Matt kind of asserting his duties, quote, as a man. Um, He has the responsibility to protect his wife, provide for your family. We did give some, Claire gave some great context to why we might see Matt clinging so much to those sort of retrograde ideas, but we're still going to give that one like a three, 3.5. Just... Yeah, it's great to be a provider and love your partner and family, regardless of your gender identity. Agreed. Um, And Victoria, you know, was deeply unpleasant to all of the women (laughs) throughout this episode. But I specifically wanted to call out the way that she keeps saying this isn't a sorority. And, you know, I wasn't in a sorority um, personally, But there is a sort of disdain for the idea of women gathering together in a group and trying to get along that um, that came up with a few of the women, especially Victoria, this episode, the idea that, like, it's better to just spend time with men uh, (laughs) rather than with a group of women. and that's something that The Bachelor does tend to traditionally perpetuate. And we've seen more friendships show up in recent seasons and more positivity about that. But when the show leans into like reinforcing that, you know, sororities are pathetic and sad um, or silly and that spending time with a man is like a better way to spend your time. Um, I always find that really off-putting um, and just a way of downgrading women's friendships and connections with each other. And so I'm going to give that a 3.5. And on that note, that's it for Here to Make Friends. Thanks so much to our wonderful guest and stellar boss, Aaron Evans, and our producers, Nick Offenberg and Sarah Patterson. Give us a follow on Facebook and Instagram at Here to Make Friends Pod. And you can follow us individually on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Claire E. Fallon. And I'm at Emma Lady Rose. We'll be back next week to recap episode three of Matt James's season of The Bachelor. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. 
Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.